0: Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already, and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today we are looking at the work taking place at the Center for Strategic Philanthropy. They're based at the Cambridge Judge Business School, part of the University of Cambridge, And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Shanali Banerjee who heads up the Center for Strategic Philanthropy. Full disclosure, I am a visiting fellow of the center and I'm a big fan of the work they're doing. They're doing some really interesting research into the global north, global south power dynamic with a context of philanthropy. So this is a highly topical issue and I think you'll enjoy today's show. We'll find out about the work taking place at the center what's been happening so far and where they're heading in the next few years. And for reference, also do take a look at a previous episode I did with Claire Woodcraft, who used to be the executive director at the Center back in late 2020. So without further ado, Shanali, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Alberto.
0: It's great to see you. You're out there in Cambridge. I'm here in the UK in London and we're going to be talking a little bit about the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at Cambridge University's Judge Business School. I'm a visiting fellow there. You're leading up all the efforts uh, at the center and love to find out a little bit about the center. What's it all about for all those folks who may not be familiar with it?
1: Yes, thank you so much again, Alberto, for for having me uh, and and for all of your support as a as a visiting fellow over uh, over the last year plus. Um, yes, as you said, I'm Dr. Shanali Banerjee. I uh, I lead the the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at the Cambridge Judge Business School, and um, and yeah, we are still, you know, I like to say that we are still a fairly new research center um, as far as particularly as far as the university goes. Um, and yeah, we were launched in March of 2020, which in hindsight was just a you know a, a terrible time to to launch any new initiative, let alone a research center. But uh, but yeah, but we're uh, we're going to be coming up on three years now uh, since uh, since our inception. And uh, our primary role is to uh, is to create knowledge and disseminate that knowledge um, about philanthropy, particularly for development. So what I mean by that. Is that even though we ourselves are based in in the West, we're based in the UK, in the so-called global North, we actually specifically focus on philanthropy that occurs in the global South. Within that, we're looking at Africa, we're looking at philanthropy in the Middle East and in Southeast Asia, because we've found, you know, kind of historically and based on a lot of um, a lot of data and research that's already out there, these are kind of uh, you know underrepresented regions in the broader philanthropy research space. You do see, um, you know, some some research out there about giving that goes from the global north to these areas, but we're particularly curious about what is going on within those regions. Uh, you know, so we're we're specifically looking at philanthropy for international development, philanthropy to advance sustainable development goals, um, but specifically looking at what are. Middle Eastern philanthropists doing in their region what are Asian philanthropists doing in their region what are African philanthropists doing are they recreating philanthropic models that have existed you know, in the global north, are they embracing traditional models of philanthropy that have occurred in their regions for a long time? Are they hybridizing both of those? Um, And also, you know, how successful is it? You know, how is that going? We have a lot of data from, you know, from surveys from organizations like the OECD that look at philanthropy that says that the vast majority of, uh, of philanthropic giving is still you know philanthropic giving for development I should say is still going from the global north to the global south is that just because south-south giving is completely unrecorded and we don't know what's going on we don't have the data we don't have the evidence of that or is it because there are just you know more capital flows philanthropically moving around so that's what you know we've been we've been digging into that for a couple of years and we we hope to be doing that for for many years going forward.
0: Excellent. And you didn't, you did not touch on Latin America, but I understand that that's quite <laughs> likely on the, uh, on the, and the crosshairs of, of, of areas that you're going to be focused on. And yes. you know, many people listening to the show will know that I'm originally from Argentina and uh, i think some of the philanthropy yes, exactly
1: you got, a, you got a vested interest over there <laughs> indeed
0: indeed and some of the philanthropy actually happening in brazil uh, is really fascinating with a lot of resources uh so if you're talking about global south global south giving i think there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening over there talking about the philanthropy for development uh, the global south um how would you characterize the power dynamic as it were between the global north and global south right now what's sort of the state of affairs
1: yeah. Thanks for that question, Alberto. Um, this is something that we've, you know, I, I say we've looked at quite extensively, like I said, we're still a fairly new research center, but, uh, we, we have focused on this in, in both of our, uh, you know, major industry reports that have come out in, in 2020 and 2022, this idea of, um, you know, how does the global North, global South power dynamic recreate itself through philanthropic giving? Um, and, uh, unfortunately we have found that it that it does you know a lot of the um you know a lot of the the traditional international aid or international development dynamics that have been you know kind of heavily critiqued in in development studies and in broader international development work which is the sector that i that i come from um you know unfortunately despite the fact that we all like to think that philanthropy is is a very independent sector and a very independent project. Unfortunately, what we see looking at it from a Global South perspective is that a lot of, you know, kind of inherent power dynamics, power uh, imbalances that occur, particularly from, you know, Global North funders, because they hold the resources and that in that in itself is you know, kind of an infinite form of power uh, when you have organizations and and um, recipients, grantees, et cetera, in the Global South that are trying to get that funding. So, you know, we obviously, you know, we're, we're a research center, we're an academic center, but we do want to advocate for our, you know, for our colleagues in the Global South um, and and try to encourage Global North organizations and even philanthropic organizations based in the Global South that maybe have adopted a lot of Northern uh, best practice or northern ideology around how they practice their philanthropy we really want to say you know are you actually tackling these power imbalances when you talk about empowerment which has been such a buzzword in the international development sphere for for decades now are you actually you know what are you doing that's actually empowering uh, folks on the ground are you listening um you know is your is your governing structure within your organization actually reflective of the folks on the ground that you're that you're aiming to support, so I think that's you know this is some of the work that that we're looking at and what we're finding is is unfortunately a, a space that has it's been difficult to transition to to a more balanced philanthropic ecosystem power wise.
0: You know, I've hosted around 200 individuals on on the Do One Better. Uh, it's both a podcast and also a knowledge hub. Meant to have case studies, interviews that are that are informing folks around there. Uh, the the great thing about it is that I get to learn an incredible amount every week from the fascinating folks I have on the show, uh, like you. And I certainly hear a lot these days about uh, the global south global north power imbalance, about trust based philanthropy, about supporting grantees who have lived experience uh, in. In the front lines, in in those uh, geographic areas that are that are being funded, you with with um, with a research hat on, how aligned is what you're hearing from sources like me with what you're finding uh, based on your actual research? Like, what's the what's the reality look like? Does it align with what people are saying?
1: Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that is a really interesting question. I think, yeah, thanks for asking that because I don't think that gets asked very often. Uh, But yeah, I think I would say certainly from our data collection, um, particularly over the last two years, you know, two and a half years that we've been around and granted, I think, you know, as, as I'm sure a lot of folks that you've interviewed in the last couple of years in this space have qualified, obviously we've got to address the elephant in the room we're talking about pandemic times, right? We're talking about, you know, times very much framed within COVID-19. And so when when we're going out and we're doing our research, because we don't have our own um, proprietary data sets from pre-pandemic times, we're kind of looking at, you know, almost this vacuum of time that has been completely dominated by how philanthropy has responded to, reacted to, uh, you know, the the needs of of the pandemic and or, or sort of the the things that were necessitated by the pandemic. So, as came out in our first report, uh, which was completely based on COVID nineteen and, and philanthropy, we realized that there, you know, there was a huge need within the sector to kind of reform, particularly how funding takes place. Because when uh, you know, like I said, we're talking about we're talking about the global south, we're talking about international development. The biggest issue was that international aid, formal international aid, massively contracted during the during the pandemic, and so recipients on the ground were desperate to get that funding from somewhere because there were complete blockages in how they were getting funding. So really, that was a space where philanthropists, particularly local philanthropists, occupied right because that you know, they were on the ground, they were seeing, you know, what was going on with their people, they were able to rapidly adjust. Um, So this is where, you know, things like trust-based philanthropy, uh, you know, decolonizing philanthropy, a lot of these, you know, kind of concepts that are thrown around really took, you know, really kind of took hold on a very practical level. Philanthropy became a little bit more decolonized, uh, you know, in, in the purest sense during the pandemic, because because the west had to you know immediately you know shut down a lot of really vital flows of funding and local philanthropists had to really increase what they were doing tenfold they had to work with local governments they had to work with local stakeholders trust based philanthropy had to become a thing because people could not report in the same way that they have in the past they couldn't take a year and a half to put together one grant application the way they have in the past and you know we could say is that actually an effective way to, to distribute funds? So the issue that we're seeing on the ground right now, and this is based on data collection that I did um, you know, over the last year to put together our formal system change in philanthropy for development research agenda, the, the biggest concern that I'm hearing now is that a lot of philanthropic organizations, both in the North and also, unfortunately, in the global South, are snapping back, you know, rubber band style to the way things were before the pandemic, where the pandemic was a was a phase. And, you know, and, and though we are still very much in it, a lot of operations are starting to resume as normal. So I think that is something for us as researchers uh, is, is very concerning, is a very concerning trend to see that, uh, you know, our hope was, of course, that There are a lot of long-term lessons learned uh, by the way that philanthropy had to adapt and in a lot of cases adapt, um, you know, for the better during the pandemic. And so the thing is, is that, you know, this, this inclination to return to business as usual might actually be perpetuating practices that continue to keep power imbalances in place. So I think that's something we will continue to observe that very carefully um but that's something that we're we're a little bit concerned about
0: sure so the pendulum might be moving back
1: exactly exactly so you know i think you know we'll obviously have to continue collecting the data to see to see what happens um but i think you know from what i'm hearing both uh, kind of anecdotally in focus groups and in interviews i do there is a real anxiety um you know from organizations on the ground you know whether they're smaller philanthropic institutions that rely on various pots of funding, whether they're um, you know, more grassroots organizations, they are very concerned about yeah. this.
0: Now, not to plug the Center for Strategic Philanthropy too overtly, but it sounds to me that uh, if a foundation is looking to gain better insight into the global north, global south power dynamic, power imbalances, how to redress any issues, and looking at it not just from yes we want to figure it out a little bit but actually wanting to have some rigorous academic research underpinning their their understanding of reality and conceivably underpinning how they will be formulating their way forward these big foundations that we think about in the global north it sounds to me like the the center for strategic philanthropy would be an obvious candidate to fund
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, we are like I said, we are we are a research center. We're, we're based at a university and, you know, we we have we have an operating model that is, uh, you know, very conducive to to enthusiastic supporters getting involved, uh, you know, getting involved in supporting our work. You know, we have a very like I said, you know, we worked very, very hard, um, you know, our whole team along with the uh, with the business school to establish, you know, very forward looking research agenda based on system change. Um, in the in the philanthropic sector, which has you know, as as many of your listeners will know, is is widely touted as something that really needs to needs to happen. It needs to it can't just be sort of bolted on solutions, you know, cherries on top of Sundays. Uh, in terms of how the philanthropic sector really needs to to change to become more effective and impactful. Um, so we built a whole research agenda around that, particularly for anyone who's interested in in philanthropy uh, in the global south. And so we're looking particularly. We've got three pipelines around decolonizing and localizing philanthropy, the future of philanthropy. What do these next generation transitions in business and leadership look like for the philanthropic sector? Since you know, oftentimes they can go hand in hand, and also new instruments in philanthropy. So what does you know? any new financial instrument for philanthropy look like, you know, we're talking about impact investing, we're talking about blended finance, uh, technological tools like platforms, social platforms, crowdfunding platforms, innovative financing for philanthropy. I think we're really taking a, a view that is, you know, looking into the future and and seeing how philanthropy is going to transform itself really to, to keep up with the times. And so we, you know, we welcome any interest um, you know, both in terms of collaboration, in terms of support, uh, you know, we do we, we do take on a handful of, of private contracts for, you know, for organizations that are looking to investigate a very particular space or a particular research question. And, and of course, we're very open to, to folks who would like to support the research agenda writ large.
0: And for additional context as well, I did have Claire, our, our mutual friend, Claire Woodcraft, who used to be the executive director of the center um that was an interview i did with her back during the pandemic in late 2020 certainly worth listening to that to get a better feel for for the history of the center and and what it's done and where it's been in terms of the forward looking uh vantage point as it were where do you see what do you see a success for the next three five years like what is it if you're back on the show? If we're having a coffee in in five years' time, what what does that success look like for the center?
1: I think for for us, the most important thing um, is that you know, like I said, I come from the international development space, and then I also became an academic, and so I think for for me, one of the more you know something that that has frustrated me in the past is you know, kind of the. The lack of real-world applicability that that comes out of, you know, some some academic research. I think you know I'm I'm certainly not alone in saying that. Uh, you know, kind of the ivory towerism of academia still exists. So one goal that you know certainly you mentioned, Claire. Claire always had, um, you know, when when really starting up the center, something our uh, you know kind of academic uh, team. Has always been supportive of is creating knowledge that actually impacts uh, behavior, right? Actually impacts behavior um, of you know of the the philanthropists and the large philanthropic organizations that we study impacts the behavior of you know and and the the power imbalances. So what I would like to see in the, in the long term is our research. Uh, and and the knowledge we create, the the training and teaching programs that we do, the advocacy and outreach that we do, actually changing behavior on the ground, actually being used and referenced to you know to create more um, you know more dialogue and, and then and then more behavior change in how philanthropic funds are distributed, in how um, you know how. We, you know, we obviously advocate for more programmatic approaches, not project-based approaches. That's something that I know Claire, you know, certainly has has said, maybe perhaps on on the previous iteration of the podcast. And that's something we talk about all the time. I'd like to see that long-term, you know, that long-termist view in philanthropy, rather than just this cyclical, let's apply for a grant every year, and funders fund the grant every year. And then, you know, we don't actually see, you know, an investment in philanthropic continuity between the between the donors and the grantees. So that's something I would, I would really love to see that our research is being used to create behavior change, uh, you know, in the sector, it doesn't just, you know, stay behind, uh, you know, in the in the vaunted halls of of the Judge Business School or of the University of Cambridge, that it's actually being used by folks on the ground uh, uh, because they believe that the that the data that we've produced, the knowledge that we've produced, has been enormously transformative for their work. Yeah.
0: I think you're on the right track. I mean, the some of the courses that I've uh, that I've lectured on, and especially in the executive education uh, at the at the business school, you see the delegates. Um, who, who are attending this coming from some really remarkable organizations. And these individuals are highly consequential to the decision-making and the strategy formulation for, for some of the big foundations. So I think you're, at, you're, you're certainly speaking to the right audience, right, in terms of being able to change those uh, mindsets and behaviors of people who, who, who have the ability to actually enact these things.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's, that was always, like I said, you know, our goal, our goal was never just to, just to create research that, um, you know, for, for research's sake, I should say. Um, and, you know, one of the big things that, that we do is that we write our own case studies, which we then go and teach in, you know, in the, in the executive education courses, uh, you know, at the business school. And I, I believe we're, we're one of the first organizations to, or we're the first research centers, I should say, to create an executive education program that is exclusively on maximizing impact in development philanthropy, right? And then I should say that you know I know that there are, are wonderful, wonderful courses that our that our peers in the in the business school arena offer um, on on a variety of things. But our course is, fo- is focused, you know, absolutely laser focused on the on the global south on doing philanthropy in the global south. You know, we're sort of one trick ponies in that way. You know, the research agenda, the convening, the education. You know, we really try to 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 you know hone in on, on this uh, need to focus on, on how philanthropy is done and, and how it should be in best practice in emerging markets. Because one of the things we've seen is that, uh, you know, there is some emphasis on a lot of Global South philanthropists and organizations working in that space, in those regions, taking best practice that might've been really effective in the Global North and sort of trying to just transplant that into a Global South context. And, and unfortunately, there have been, you know, a lot of very, very well documented, uh, you know, and well referenced times where that has not been very effective. So so we're trying, you know, we tried to create, a, you know, a, a product and, you know, a, a portfolio, both from the research all the way through to education that is specifically for this demographic who who really want to know, you know, it's 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 a confusing and complicated Space in the best of times, as you know very well, Alberto. So, um, so we're trying to create uh, create knowledge that is specifically for this for this group of people that is, you know, trying to foster change in the global south.
0: Great, great. And speaking of the global south, you also have a very international background, right? So, give us a little bit of insight into your own personal narrative, professional trajectory, and and yeah, your roots. Like, give us a little bit of insight into into all of that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I teased it a little bit, but yeah. So I think you know I'm I'm originally from the United States, um, and you know did my did my early education there and my bachelor's degree there. But uh, but yeah, but have have not really lived in the in the United States since then. Uh, I left uh, over ten years ago. Um, I was working for uh, for several organizations, um, you know, foundations and and charities, uh, both in the U.S. and then. I moved around to to Morocco, to Southeast Asia. I spent several years of my life in Thailand and Cambodia before uh, before winding up in the UK to to do my my masters and my PhD, and and have sort of settled here since then. So that's why I say you know my background is is in international development. I have done a lot of you know both fundraising and advocacy work, but also project management for a variety of international development projects, um, you know in the in the global south itself. Uh, my PhD research uh, was on digital platforms and how, uh, you know, how different NGOs in particular uh, in India were were using, uh, you know, new platforms, digital platforms to get the message out there about their work and also to raise funds. Um, this is obviously a very, very dynamic and an emerging space, um, which, you know, which is, is also researched at the center and so um so yes I think my, you know my background professionally was in the international development and philanthropy space and you know I've been very lucky that I get to continue to you know wake up in the morning and and still research and and do that every day uh, as the principal investigator at the center
0: excellent is it a bit of a so I mean you're now pretty much heading up the center is it difficult challenging the academic endeavors versus the um, let's not call them um, administrative burdens but the administrative side and the and the academic side is a different difficult combining both of these
1: i don't i mean i wouldn't say it's difficult i think it's you know i think it's definitely um it's definitely been an exciting opportunity because it, it it has allowed myself and you know the research team a lot of times you know when you have big organizations like this you know the researchers were you know we're in a dark room on our laptops crunching data um but you know we you know researchers are not always I mean sometimes they very much are but not always super involved with the you know with with the broader you know the the broader running of, of a center or the the advocacy work the outreach work that a center does so for me that's been a really exciting opportunity because like I said you know I I didn't intend to um to be an academic as as my career you know I was I was in the practice sector I thought you know, let me get it let me come let me come to the uk for a year and get a masters degree and then get right back out into the field obviously that didn't happen i sort of got so intrigued by by the the research questions and the investigative side of of academia that it really managed to you know the sector managed to suck me in but at heart i am still very much a, a practitioner academic and so so from my perspective uh, a research center like ours, which is, you know, kind of almost equal parts research and and also uh, kind of sectoral change uh, and, and sectoral change advocacy um, is really, a, you know, a, a fantastic kind of breakdown. And I, I love being able to have my hands in both of those in both of those pots, as it were.
0: Now, I did my degree at Cambridge, but not at the business school. And Now I'm a visiting fellow at the business school, which is great, Um, but I did do a master's in management at the London School of Economics quite a while back, over 20 years ago. And I remember back then, half my class wanted to go into investment banking, the other half wanted to go into management consulting, and that was pretty much it. Now if I give a lecture, and occasionally I do uh, at the LSE, I've given some lectures to my old cohort, or the folks who are doing that master's in management today. And it's really fascinating and very heartening to see how many of those students are really interested in social impact. They're really interested in impact investing in philanthropy and the foundations world and the NGO space. Um, not an insignificant amount. I mean, and, and after each one of those, there's just so many folks who reach out to me and say, "Well, how can I find out more about it? How would you characterize things at uh, Cambridge Judge Business School? How um, involved do you feel, or embraced do you feel, by the broader business school to to bring in the notions of social impact and philanthropy and all of these things that you're researching?" Uh, into those MBA uh, uh, courses and so forth.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is. I, I think I would say that things at the at the Judge Business School really echo, you know, exactly what you were just reflecting on, you know, at the uh, at the LSE. And and I think it's it's certainly not just just the two schools. I think this is a, a sectoral shift across business schools, which is enormously heartwarming from my perspective to, to see, Um, as as I said, I mean, you, you obviously have much more of a, a business school background than I do. I, you know, I come from a development studies background. I had an international politics background before that. Uh, I was trained by two anthropologists during my PhD. So, you know, there are times where, where I thought, oh wow, this research center, you know, it's based at a business school. Is this gonna, you know, is this the right fit for a, you know, really looking at an international development focus? And it has been a it has been a fantastic fit, actually, because I think really the 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 judge business school has also, you know, kind of moved with the with the times, moved with the with the broader interests of the folks that are coming and doing programs in business, you know, people who are really much more uh much more engaged with what is happening in the social sector, not really seeing uh being involved in business and management as as antithetical to what's going on in the social sector, exactly as you said. So uh, and yeah it's been it's been wonderful to see how many other research centers at the Judge Business School are also, you know, they're not particularly, maybe they're not focused on philanthropy specifically uh, or not, you know, exclusively focused on, on the global South, but there are so many research centers. We have the the Center for Social Entrepreneurship the center, you know, for, uh, for alternative finance, the center, uh, you know, for India and global business for circular, uh, you know, circular economy. So there has been a huge kind of, uh, you know, Upspring in not only folks you know wanting to to study and learn about these things and the MPhil programs and the MBA programs, et cetera. But also a huge amount of research that our our faculty and academics are are doing on these various spaces, which directly benefit us. Because you know, as a as a younger center in the business school, as a newer center, you know, we really have had such a great foundation to build our work from, and and it's really been wonderful to see the enthusiasm from you know everyone from the dean down to the down to the faculty about the work that we do. You know, tying it into various bits of research on, um, you know, there, there's a lot of emphasis on on CSR and the CSR transition to ESG and, you know, how does philanthropy and conversations, literature around philanthropy feed into all of that, particularly also on the on the innovation and impact investing side. So I think this is, you know, it has been a really, really, um, a really interesting and, and also a very fruitful uh, experience for us
0: love it. If somebody wants to find out more about the work you're doing, whether they want to support you, whether they want to read some of your research, whether they just want to brainstorm, what's the best way of getting a hold of you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, if they want to read some of our research, the the thing that I am, you know, one of the things that I am proudest of is that uh the CSP's research is open access, uh which is, you know, often a, a rare thing to to say in uh in, in academic spaces. So all of our uh, recent reports are available online. Um, you know, we, we have a website. So, uh, you know, you can search us, uh, you know, you can find us through the Judge Business School's website, or you can just search Cambridge Center for Strategic Philanthropy and, you know, all of our our work and, you know, our various uh, events and everything are there. All of our previous events are on our YouTube channel. So that is also open access. Um, we we try to be as active as possible on social media. And <laughs> so you can find us on, on Twitter uh, at Cambridge CSP uh, or on LinkedIn. Um, And then, of course, uh, you know, I would I would love to hear from anyone who, you know, who has really, I hope, been uh, been intrigued or or inspired by by our conversation today. Um, You know, my you know, you can you can follow me on social media. You can DM me on social media. I I usually try to be quite responsive. Um, And then we also we have our, our email address, which is CSP at. JBS.cam.ac.uk. It's a bit of a mouthful, so I'm hoping, Alberto, maybe when the podcast is released, you might be able to, to, to have a link to that somewhere so in case people didn't write it down quickly enough. <laughs> so. You're very
0: active on social media, so if somebody's determined, I'm sure that they can track you down. Look, it's been uh, absolutely wonderful hosting you on the show today and learning yet more about the Center's work. And again, obviously wishing you continued success uh, to bigger and better. And, uh, and thanks for sharing so much insight and such great passion about the work you're doing and, uh, and the work of the center and the research. It's been great.
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Alberto, for having me on.
0: Perfect, and that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great show with Shanali Banerjee, who is heading up the Center for Strategic Philanthropy at Cambridge Judge Business School. For information about this conversation and 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at lidji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. I thoroughly enjoyed producing today's episode for you, and I'll catch you next week.